Amen, amen. So we'll get Bill right up, but as we were worshiping there, this uh, psalm came to me. I just had to read this to you. It says, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Then down in verse 5 it says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on a pilgrimage. And it goes, in verse 4 it says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. We'll be praising him forever in heaven. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So good. So anyway, what an awesome time of worship, and we're blessed. Pastor Bill Buffington from Calvary Chapel Inglewood is with us, good friend of this ministry. I want you to welcome up, and let's hear the word of God. Thank you, brother. All right, all right. Good evening, brothers. How we doing this evening? All right. So I, I, I enjoyed the, the tacos. That was bomb. That, that time of worship, man, I, I love worship, y'all. So uh, the worship team, hey, give them up for the worship team, man. That was, uh, they, took us, they took us to the throne, man. They took us to the throne. That's, I could just stay there and hang out, man. So thank God. Um, this is what we're going to do tonight, man. I was, you know, uh, praying for uh, what, would, what we would look at with men, uh, some men's Christmas gathering and uh, this is what the Lord put on my heart. Um, I'm going to, we'll look at a, a pieces of the Christmas story, but we're going to focus in on first the life of Joseph. Uh, and then we're going to go ahead and take it to Jesus and, and what this is all about. Amen. And uh, so there's some lessons from the life of Joseph that I think we can glean from, some things that I think will, will help us as men. Uh, and I love to do that as I go through the Bible. I love to look at if there's examples to follow, I love to pull them out. Uh, there are plenty of examples not to follow in the word, but sometimes God gives us some examples where it's like, hey, I, that's, that's a solid dude right there, you know? Uh, I can take from that. I can live that out. I see that this, this, this last go-round for me as I was looking at the life of Joseph, I'm like, there's some things about his life that I feel like as men we would benefit to to focus in on. So let me pray for us, and then we're going to turn our attention to God's word and uh, pray he meet us in this place. So, Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you for all the work that went into putting this together, for those that prepared food, Lord, uh, those that prepared the place. Uh, thank you for those that prepared to lead us in praise and worship. And now, God, we thank you that you've given us your word. As we turn our attention to your word, God, I pray you would speak to our hearts tonight. Meet us in this place, Lord. Teach us things tonight that are going to help us to know you better and to walk with you in a more intimate way. Uh, God, may our time in your presence and in your word, may it be life-changing. God, give us ears to hear. If we, if we are sleepy, God, wake us up. God, meet us and speak to us as only you can. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. All right. So if you guys would open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter one, when you get it, say got it. All right. Matthew chapter. I got one brother got it. Matthew chapter one. When you get it, say got it. All right. Way in the back. All right. So Matthew's gospel is unique in that it opens up with a genealogy, but the genealogy is uh, running through the life of Joseph. Um, for your sake, and because I love you guys and I'd like to be invited back, I'm not going to go through the genealogy tonight. But I just am telling y'all that the genealogy that you see in all that first part of Matthew chapter 1 
is taking us through the life of Joseph. And so um, we're going to start at verse 18 of uh, Matthew chapter 1. And so it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother, Mary, was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child from the Holy Spirit. And so there's a ton in this opening verse here. Um, first of all, we find out that Mary and Joseph, uh, we know they were betrothed. That's a little different than what we do today. We get engaged uh, today. Is anybody in this room engaged right now? Raise your hand if you're engaged. Raise your hand. Oh, look at the brothers and bears. I'm going to tell them, I'm going to tell the women, nobody in here is engaged. All right, we got one. We got one. So today, if you get engaged to a girl, you buy her what? Buy a ring. That's that. You got you to gotta, you gotta put something on that, right? Um, and, and you buy her a ring, and it's, it's, a, it's a promise that, hey, I, I, I love you. I want to marry you. Um, now, some guys do the open-end engagement. There's no date in sight. There may never be a date. You know, I'm just, I'm just holding you up. Uh, in a healthy engagement, you know, there's a date set, a marriage coming, so forth and so on. In Bible times, uh, they're engaged, they call it betrothal, and it was, it was more, it was a bigger deal than our engagement. It was legal. Uh, you had to get a divorce from an engagement or a betrothal. So you couldn't, be, you couldn't get betrothed to Mary and be like, nah, give me my ring back and then go get betrothed to Susan over there. When you got betrothed, it was like, no, nah, you locked in, bro. You, you got to get divorced from this. All, all this, we're just waiting on you to get a house together so y'all can get married and move in. So Joseph and Mary, they're betrothed to be married. And I just, sometimes we can read through the scriptures but not, not take it all in. I want you guys to get in Joseph's life for a moment. Joseph's a young man. This is his first wife. He's never been married before. Joseph's a virgin. Joseph is walking in his purity. Um, he's an upright man, and he has found his good thing. He has found the woman that he wants to marry. He has made the commitment. He has betrothed to her. The community knows. The family knows. Everybody knows Mary is going to be Joseph's wife just a matter of time. This is what their plans are right now. And I want you to get that because God is getting ready to, to God is getting ready to alter their, their, their plans were nice and neat and clean and pretty. And God is getting ready to do something pretty radical to Joseph's plans. Amen. So um, this is what the plan was for Joseph. So it says, um, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Um, his, after his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. And it says, before they came together. Um, that phrase, before they came together, means before they had any kind of a sexual relationship. And that's where we get the fact that Joseph is walking in his purity. Um, Joseph isn't defiling Mary. They haven't come together yet. Now, it, this is the way it's supposed to go. In our culture, this is foreign. I want to ask how many of the married guys here waited till they got married to have sex. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to, but I'm asking, right? I'm asking. I want you to, in your mind, I just, just, you just think about it, right? I want to ask you guys, how many guys here waited till they got married to have sex with their wives? Don't answer. Maybe you weren't a Christian, and so, okay, pass. You're over there. 
For those for, it's for those that were already Christians, both you and your wife were both Christians. How many of us observed that, honored that? Um, now, for you guys that are single, um, I would just encourage you that this this how it's supposed to go. Um, can I tell you all that God has a sense of humor? I lived in sexual debauchery my my all my young life. Then I got saved, and it was radical. And I met my wife. I'm if I'm honest, my wife and I made it to the altar without having sex. I can't take the credit. Uh, my wife is from Compton, and my wife was like, "This is what she told me." This she said, "If you even come at me like that, we won't even be friends." And now some women say that, and you're like, "All right, we'll see." But nah, she meant it. She meant it. She was like, "Look, you just you'll be you'll be single again in a minute," you know. So, um, so that was one thing. Now, so I waited, right? I, I told her, you know, then we need to I need to get married then. So I pushed up the wedding date. I'm like, I'm not waiting a year. You know what I'm saying? You got a few months to plan a wedding, and we got to get the show on the road. This is what happened to me. I got as my witness. Um, I had my wedding date came. Uh, we had a 10 o'clock wedding. Uh, we went to the church, did the wedding. Then we had a reception at a hotel. So while we were, we had a room so that we could hang out while they got the reception ready for us. And I was like, hey, we married now. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's get the show on the road, you know? And... This is so messed up. So I think I'm going you know, to consummate my wedding. Then I'm going to go and, and go to the reception and be like, yeah, you know. We get to that part uh, and we're in the room and my wife's uh, monthly situation came at that moment. And I remember sitting there being like, for real, God? Like, I, I did it right. Like, you know, like. But, you know, it was all good. We, we were going to Jamaica the next week, so, you know, we, we, had, to, we had to wait till we got to our, our honeymoon. But um, it's the, this is the way it's supposed to go. I, I want to just point, I, I'm pointing it out for this reason. I want us to acknowledge that Joseph was a, he was a solid, godly man. Um, he was doing things God's way. And of all the people that God could have picked, this is what I think about when I read the gospel. I'm like, God, of all the women alive at this time, you picked Mary. Had to be something about Mary. Had to be something special. And of all the men that were going to be in the role that Joseph was going to be in, Joseph was going to be Jesus' daddy on earth. Joseph was going to be the man example. That you, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But Joseph was going to be the male representation in, in Jesus' life. Um, and he's selected by God. This is a special guy. We should pay attention to him. We should, we should look at his life and think, man, what made him someone that God would say, man, I could use him? I mean, I could use him for this special, this special thing, this, this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I could use this guy, Joseph. He's a faithful guy. He's an upright guy. He's a man that's walking in his, in his purity. And I'm just saying that to encourage us as men that hopefully, I, I believe if you're a Christian, you want to be used by God. If you're a believer, you want, God to, you want God to do something through your life. I know for me, that's, that's all I want out of this life. I want to spend it in a way that matters to God. I want to spend it in a way that has some kind of eternal weight or value to it. And so I know that I got to live a certain kind of way. I know there's some things that cannot be in my life. And so I would just encourage you as men that we consider um, our purity. What's that like? How are we doing in that area? Joseph was walking in purity. He was honoring this young woman that God had given. Imagine if Joseph was pushing up on her. Um, he wouldn't even have been chosen. But imagine if he was going to mess this thing up 
how God would have had to spank him uh, or, or intervene or whatever. But Joseph is a, a upright God. He's walking in his purity. Um, next thing that I want to point out is this. He's going to be told, right, in, in Luke's gospel, we get the, the whole of the story um, that Joseph finds out his wife, who he hasn't, his wife-to-be that he has not slept with has become pregnant. And just for fun, right, just remove yourself from the Bible. If you were engaged to a woman and you have been pure and you have not defiled her and you have not had sex with her, and if she came and said, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. But I was in my room the other night and the Lord shone upon me and I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant, but it's from God. Right. I, I, is there a man in the room that would rock with Is there any guy here that would be like, all right, praise God. Anybody? Nobody, right? You'd be like, nah, nah. You know, this, this, is, a, this is an incredible thing that happens to Joseph now. In some ways, it's like it, it, could, it could seem like it's kind of messed up, man. You know, Joseph's going to live with some difficulties that he wouldn't have lived with otherwise. And you should know that if your life is going to be spent for God, you're going to live with some difficulties that you would not have lived with otherwise. Um, and so let me read the rest of verse 18. It says, again, now the, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. She was found pregnant. We know from the scriptures that it was the work of God. We know from the scriptures that it was the work of the Holy Spirit. But I just want us to be real and consider Joseph. Joseph's not reading Matthew. Joseph's having his wife come and say, Joe, this is crazy. But God is, you know, like this. He's, he's hearing this for the first time. So I want you to look at his response. Think about what your response would be, right? How many guys? How many guys would be out? Engagement's over. I'm breaking up. Peace, deuces. Finding me somebody else. I, it's quits. It's over. Get out of here, right? In this culture, it's it's a little bit more. In this culture, if you cheated during marriage or an engagement, same thing. It's adultery. Um, if, so for Mary, you guys know what the penalty for committing adultery was. Stoned to death. Can I tell you how they do it exactly? They take, they take the person that's guilty. They have a, a couple of feet of manure that you stand in. And then everybody pelts you with stones. Smaller to bigger to bigger to bigger. The goal is eventually you're going to get knocked out and fall, fall face first in the manure. And you die a shameful, humiliating, gross death. That's what Joseph could have said. I'm, I'm turning you over. Um, you did me wrong. I'm telling. That's, that, that's what, that's what would have happened to Mary. I just want you to consider that. So look at verse 19 now. It says, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, we'll come back to that in just a moment, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. So first of all, it tells us this about Joseph. It says, Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Uh, what does it mean, just? There's fairness, there's equity about him. Now, justice would have been, raw justice would have been that she would be punished for what she did. It says, Joseph, he's a just man. He's just, he's fair. There's an equity about him. 
But it says this. He did not want to make her a public example. He didn't want her to die or to be stoned for what she had done. As I consider that, you guys, I consider that's exactly what Jesus did, right? Um, we're, though we're guilty, though we've sinned, though, though, though we, we could bring shame and all the things that we've done, Joseph could have said, this is what should happen for what you've done. I, I want you to pay for what you've done. Joseph said, I don't, I don't want her to pay for what she's done. Thank God, because in the other gospel, we find out that the angel has to come and intervene and let Joseph know, bro, relax, this is, this is God. God did this. Uh, and there, there would have needed to be an angelic intervention, I think, for most men to say, okay, this is the Lord. Um, but at this point, before all of the intervention, Joseph says, I don't, want, I don't want you to pay for what I believe you. I believe that you cheated on me. I believe that you betrayed me. I believe that you've done me dirty, but I don't want you to die and be publicly shamed for what you have done. I want us to consider this, right? Because we as believers have been shown incredible mercy from God. Do we want mercy for others? Everybody wants mercy for themselves, amen? But do we want it for the people that are offending us? Do we want the same thing for those that are doing us wrong? Um, as I'm looking at Joseph, I'm reminded, that's, that's, I need Jesus to work that into my heart. I want, when I mess up, I want mercy and forgiveness. I want grace and love. I want peace and comfort. I want all the, I want all the goodies of God when I mess up. But when somebody messes up to me, do I want that for them? Do I want mercy and grace and gentleness and peace? Do I want all the goodies of God for the people that may have offended me, may have done me wrong? Uh, again, this is probably the worst wrong that could be done to a man. Uh, and, engage in a culture where adultery was shameful, in a culture where nobody, people weren't having sex outside of marriage. Regular, this was, it was not acceptable in the culture. Um, this was a shameful thing. Joseph would live out the rest of his life in this marriage with the shame of people looking at him saying, bro, the Holy Spirit did it, right? <laughs> okay. He, would, he was going to live, and he understood this. He was going to live with that stigma on him. Mary was going to live with the stigma that she had had a child out of wedlock. Everybody wasn't buying the story. And so they were going to live their lives out as the parents of Jesus with this thing overshadowing them, even though it's not true. Even though they didn't do anything wrong, they're going to live with the shame, as though they had done something shameful in their culture. And so let me say this, because I think this is important for men. I think that there are some men that are so prideful that they couldn't have done what Joseph did. God couldn't have signed them up to be in that role where you're going to be looked at shamefully in your community. People are going to look at you like a, you're a sucker. Your wife plays you and everybody knows it. And that's what you are. This Joseph had to be a guy that was just humble enough to say, God, I accept this from you. I accept this difficult thing from you. And can I just say as men that, that, that any man in scripture, you see mightily used of God. You can look through his life and find some difficult thing that God has allowed. God allows difficulty in the life of people that he's going to use. Um, I, I spend time looking at the men that God uses greatly, and it's like, wow, he, he, does, he does take them into dark places. He does allow difficult things. He does allow them to, be, to go through things that they, gotta, they have to endure. They, we endure hardship. And so this is something Joseph would endure. He would endure the shame of 
living in the community, seeming as though he has done something that he hasn't done. Um, we know that he loved his wife. Um, we know here that it says him being a just man, not wanting to make a public example of her. He was minded to put her away secretly. Joseph's first thought was this. I'm going to I'm going to secretly put her away. I'm going to just I'm going to I'm going to let this thing go. I'm going to let I'm going to release her. I'm not staying in the marriage with her. I'm not going to be with her, but I'm going to let her secretly depart so that this this doesn't happen to her. And so to me, a lesson from Joseph here is that Joseph is a merciful man. Again, at this point, Joseph believes that this woman that he loves has cheated on him and is giving him some wild story. And he's like, man, I don't believe it, but and I don't want to see you die for it. I'm minded to put you away privately. Um, Joseph is a merciful man. And I just want to ask you to consider as a man, are you merciful? Um, how many dads do I have in the room? How many, how many guys are dads in the room? All right. We need to hear this. Um, dads can tend to be hard on their kids. Um, I have seen this in a lot of different ways. I've seen where dads, um, it's one thing to have an expectation of your kids, right? It's another thing to have an expectation of your kids that's greater than what you can perform. Amen? Um, as a dad, are you a merciful dad? Do your kids look at you as a merciful dad? Is your heavenly father a merciful dad? And if we're, if we're going to reflect him to our family, they, our kids should see, my dad's merciful. My dad's, so some, 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 some dads are just mean. Um, I mean, just, just mean. I'll be looking at some dads like, man, bro, do, do you, I mean, it's, if you don't know God, that's one thing. But if you know God, I'm like, how you mean like that, bro, and you know God? God be forgiving you, merciful to you, and you mean to everybody. He going to spank you. Um, I want us, I just encourage us as men, consider what, what our father has shown us is that flowing through us, right? I want to be a merciful man. I want to be a gracious dad. One of my kids, I had a child when I was a teenager, um, before I knew the Lord. Uh, so when I was 18 years old, I had my first kid. Um, that's my oldest daughter. And didn't know the Lord. I got saved when she was eight months old. And so I've been walking with the Lord the, 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 the majority of her life. Um, of all my kids, I have three other kids that are all walking with the Lord, but this one, she struggles. And she'll be a couple years, she'll seem like she's doing all right, then she'll fall away and just kind of been in and out. She's not really walking with the Lord as, you know, I would desire. And so she came to my house um, about, I guess it's been about six months ago now. Um, first, she, she told me she had a boyfriend um, it's not like she haven't had boyfriends before, but didn't none of them want to come meet me or she didn't want to bring them to meet me. But she called me and says, dad, I have somebody that, um, is in my life and, and I, I want him to meet you. And I said, all right, if he wants to meet me, give him my phone number, tell him to call me and he can come without you and I'll meet with him gladly. Right. Can't be no punk. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, he called. And, uh, you know, still he called and a uh, respectful guy. And I said, Let, let's meet up. And I took him out to eat and we sat down and talked and I wanted to hear his life. And I, I shared my testimony with him. I shared Christ with him. I found that he also, like her, doesn't know the Lord. Um, nice guy. You know, I was nice to him and everything. I didn't threaten him or anything like that. Um, you know, I tried to witness, be a witness to him and leave it at that. That's, that's who my daughter's with. 
they, these two come by uh, a month later, um, and I, I felt like there was more to it, but uh, they came by a month later, and um, they had a box in their hand, and my daughter's like, well, Dad, I want to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, sit down, let's talk. And I'm thinking, all right, is a guy trying to marry you, or what's going on? Well, in this box, as it opens up, there's an ultrasound, and a little onesie says, you know, uh, something, you know, you're going to be a, a grandpa or something like that. And in this, it was a, I tell, I'm telling you guys, it was, it was a moment. It was a moment. She was convinced about what my reaction and response would be. Um, it, and it was like in a moment, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, love her. That was all I got from the Lord in that moment was love her. And as I started talking, I just started to talk. I just, I told her, you know, I went and hugged her. Um, I, I told her, I said, hey, you know, whatever you thought, I said, we're, we're going to be here for you. We're going to walk with you. We're going to support you. We love you. Um, and then this is what the Lord reminded me. How hypocritical would it be if you judged her for bringing a life into the world the same way you brought her in when you didn't know me? And because uh, she doesn't know the Lord yet. She's not yet a believer. And so God, I'm thankful, right? But in that moment, it was like, God said, be merciful. This is not a time. Uh, don't, don't, don't say something harsh. Don't say something judgmental. This is a time to, to maybe you're going to win her through this. And if I can tell you guys this, we chose to just be loving, be gracious. I haven't had more interaction with this daughter. And I've had more interaction with her since she told us she was pregnant than we've had 10 years prior. Um, and then my wife, she reaches out to my wife who her mother had really cut her off from. Um, she calls my wife almost every other day um, asking things. And so for me, I'm saying, Lord, may this be an opportunity to win them to the Lord. Um, now, the, the Pharisee in me had a lot to say. And uh, I'm thankful that the Lord was like, shut, shut them up, shut them up. So all this to say, guys, is that, you know, as those that are recipients of mercy and grace, we should also be conduits of mercy and grace. It has flown to us. It should flow through us, right? Um, and so in this, I see Joseph being a man, um, an example of Christ in this. He just doesn't want to see bad. He doesn't want her to pay for what she did. He doesn't want her to be shamed publicly. He just mind, minded to put her away privately. Again, much like Christ, he's going to suffer shame and embarrassment and everything else. Um, much like Christ would suffer shame um, on our behalf, right? He was innocent, but he took guilt on our behalf. He suffered shame and all these things for us that you and me could go free. It's an amazing thing that one day you and I are going to stand before a holy God and we're going to stand before him completely justified because of what Jesus did. Amen. And as I look at Jesus on the cross and I'm looking at they embarrassed him. They shamed him. They stripped him. They clowned him. They put a crown of thorns on him and played king with him. They did all these things. And as he endured shameful treatment, that, that was the shame that we deserved. And all that we're going to get, all of his righteousness, we're going to stand before a holy God and we're going to be seen in that, in that righteousness. That's what Christ has done for us. So I got to remember that so that when somebody is standing in front of me sinning, Somebody is standing in front of me guilty that I don't forget 
I'm really just a guilty sinner, but it's, it's Christ's righteousness upon me that causes me to stand. Amen? And so let's remember that. So let, let's move on. Um, in verse 20 now, it says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So verse 20, Joseph, has, he's been told that Mary is pregnant. He knows that it's not his. He, being a just man, was mindful to put her away publicly and not shame her. It says, while he thought on these things. Underline that verse, while he thought on these things. Joseph is not a hothead. Anybody here got a hot temper? Don't raise your hand, right? Anybody here hot-headed? Joseph is not a hothead. He thought on, he took some time to sit there and think about it, thought on these things. I can tell you guys so many times in my life where I took time to, took time out to think about something before I responded. And my response was, was all the way different after spending some time thinking about it. That's in my marriage. That's in my relationship to my kids. That's been in ministry. Um, there have been times where my knee-jerk response is to do this. And I said, I'm going to take a day to pray. And I take a day to pray, and God is like, you're wrong. Don't dare do that. And it's completely different what God has me to do. I just want you to know, Joseph thought about these things. He gave it, he gave it some time to think. He took, it, he took time to just ponder what was going on. Not a hothead, not, not somebody reactionary. He took time to think about what was going on. Um, and God sent him an angel to clear things up. Now, I think that that was necessary. I don't think you could fix this story without some kind of angelic intervention. Um, I would need a voice from God or an angel to show up. Something, it would take something supernatural for me to buy into this story. And so God says, I, I got you. I'm going to send an angel. And I find it interesting in Scripture the times when God uses angelic messengers. Uh, angels are messengers of God. They're ministering spirits. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's in critical moments where God chooses to use these angelic messengers to intervene and to intervene, and rather they're delivering a message. And so, again, in this case, I don't know how else you would have got Joseph to roll with this, to stay in the marriage, to stick with it outside of God showing up saying, Joseph, this is for sure from me. Now, the angel addresses Joseph, if you look at it in the end of verse 20, it says, Joseph, son of David. The address, son of David, um, it, 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 I probably would have caught him off guard. Um, this spoke to Joseph's lineage to the throne. This, this spoke, the angel spoke to Joseph of who he had come from. You come from the line of David, J Joseph, son of David. That wasn't, that wasn't something Joseph was called all the time, but he was being reminded by the angel when he was called this of who he was. Joseph, you're part of the right family. This is all part of God's plan. Now, we don't know much about Joseph's family, right? The rest of his family, we have some names, but we know something about his lineage. And we know that this scenario that he is in, God says, this, this has been set up for forever. You're right where you're supposed to be. This is not, there's, there's not been a mistake made. I, I read that and I considered this. I used to look at my, my family, and when I was a kid, I used to want my next door neighbor's family to be my family. Um, my parents broke up and got divorced when I was in first grade. My father was on crack 
cocaine. My mother turned to alcohol, and they weren't together. And when I would go to my dad's house, you know, for the weekends, my mom would be mad. When I would go be with my mom during the week, you know, I, I wanted to be with my dad. It was, it was just a, a jacked-up dynamic. When I wanted something from my mom, I asked your dad. And I would go to ask my dad. I paid child support. And I'm going to do this, 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 this tug of war between my parents. That's, that's, that was my life. I hated it. Then I would go to my next-door neighbor's house. His mom and dad were married. They both had jobs. They made good money. And his life seemed so much different. It's just his, his dad bought him stuff for nothing. I remember being outside one day. He had, a, he had a basketball court at his house, and we were there playing basketball, and his dad came home from work and just brought a go-kart. And I'm like, it's not a birthday. It's not Christmas. He just got a go-kart. Like, I was like, I was like, I, I was so mad. I'm like, that, don't, I never get something like that, you know, like ever, you know, not even for my birthday, you know. And then, um, you know, his parents didn't spank. I was like, bro, they don't, they don't at all. Oh gosh, like, I've been spanked forever, man. I, you know, like it, it's all these things. But I remember I used, to, I used to want his life, and I, I coveted his family until I got saved. And when I got saved, God made sense of everything in my life. Um, and something I realized there's a verse in Ephesians chapter two, verse ten, says that we are the workmanship of Christ, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And when you look at your life, Joseph is being told by the angel, Joseph, son of David, this is your lineage. I know who you are. I know where you came from. I know, I know your whole family all the way back to David, all the way up to here. You're right where you're supposed to be, David. This is God's plan for your life. And as I looked at my life, as I come out of addiction, families of addiction and all these different things, then I, I give my life to Christ. And you know what God showed me? My mother, who had been an alcoholic my whole life, um, when I see alcoholics, I see people. I'm like, those are people, man. I, I know how my mom became an alcoholic. I know her story. My mom was abused as a child. She was molested by a stepbrother. My oldest brother was born out of incest from my mother being raped. She was shunned by her family. The way my mom dealt with the shame and all of that was alcohol. How she dealt with the devastation of a divorce with my dad was alcohol, you know. That was, but my mom was a person. And, and so when I look on the street and I see people and I'm like, I don't know their story, but I know that was somebody's baby one day. And there's a compassion that God put in my heart because that was my family. As I looked around my family, I got uncles. I watched my dad, one of my aunts and uncles, I watched them graduate from weed to crack. I watched them all do it at the same time. Um, as a little kid, and I observed, I watched this. I remember my dad had a, my dad, the company he worked for, I remember I embarrassed him really bad. I was a kid, and my dad had this big company meeting at our house. They were preparing for a 10K run. They had T-shirts that they were boxing up and putting in the sizes, and my mom didn't like people to smoke in the house, so they would open up the back, the sliding glass door, and they would go into my backyard to smoke, and I'm a little kid, and I'm out there, and there's all these adults, and they're drinking, and they're smoking. And I'm like, oh, my dad, my dad makes his own cigarettes. Um, and I was, <laughs> my, I said, my dad has a box, and he takes out his box, and he makes his own cigarettes. He doesn't have to buy them. And I, I thought, like, I'm bragging on my dad. My dad's like, mm, stop. <laughs> no, you know. Um, and it, to, today, today he thinks it's funny, but at the time, I, I was in all kind of trouble, you know. There was a day where I despised my family and what I came from, but I don't today. I look back now, 
And I know that God didn't waste any of it, that all of that was part of making me into who I am today so I can do what God is calling me to do today. Joseph's background, his family, all of that brought him right to where he was. He was the right guy in the right family at the right time in history. Um, and he was in the right position before him and his God to be used by God to do something very significant at his time on earth. Amen. And so the angel intervenes, um, speaks up and gives Joseph this instruction. And then verse 21, it says, and so first the angel told him um, the last part of verse 20. Um, you shall take that. Don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The angels confirming this is a work of God. Don't worry about it, Dave, uh, Joseph. Then verse 21, and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. And this is the, 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 the important thing. As we, as we celebrate Christmas, as we come to this time of year, um, and it's, you know, I think as Christians, sometimes as Christians we get caught up like everybody else. We say it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the season, but we don't necessarily act like it's all about Jesus. So um, let me give you something that I'm not saying not to do gifts. I do gifts. I do trees. I do lights. I do all of that. Um, I love all that stuff. But let's not lose this, right? As we come to Christmas, now we don't know the exact date Jesus was born. But we as a culture, we chose in December 25th to remember it. We don't have the date. This is the date. We remember it, acknowledge it, celebrate it, give thanks for it, and all of that. While we're doing that, this is what, and I encourage you with your families, I encourage you wherever you gather at, that you make mention, make sure in your Christmas celebration, it should, if it's for him and about him, he should be part of the gathering. Amen. The, the significant thing here, I wanted to look at Joseph, and there were some things about Joseph's life, but I really want to bring us to Jesus, because that's where everything changes. That's, Jesus left heaven, came to earth, and I want you to consider that, right? He was in heaven where he was treated appropriately as God, worshipped 24-7, treated the way he deserved to be treated like God Almighty. He gave that up to come to earth. And be born of a virgin. Jesus, God, the son, is going to have a mom tell him what to do. Just sit on that for a mom and a dad telling him what to do. Some of y'all don't like to be told what to do. And y'all ain't even Jesus. Y'all ain't even all that, right? A lot of, you know, just, he would, this is God created everything. And I'm going to come to earth through a virgin, born. And I'm going to have people tell me what to do. I'm going to have a mom and dad ruling over my life. You know something I thought was so cool as I was preparing this and going over it? Um, later in Jesus' life, um, you know, what did Jesus end up doing as a job? Everybody know? He was a carpenter, right? Where did he get that from? From his dad, right? Matthew, I think it's 13, 55. Um, it says that, you know, Joseph, they called, they called Jesus. It was the carpenter's son. And I thought, Wow. That to me, how cool is it that Joseph, you, you, he was just a man, but he was in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. You're going to teach Jesus his earthly profession. 
He taught Jesus how to be a carpenter. Now, I'm sure Jesus had to fake like he was learning. You know, I'm sure he didn't, he didn't need the lesson that Joseph said, now, son, you do it like this. And he's like, this kid gets everything like first time. And he just, he nails it, you know. I'm sure Jesus was like sawing perfect, cutting perfect, one hit nail drops, you know what I'm saying, all of that. But how cool is it that Joseph, I mean, can you imagine that the responsibility? You're going to be the dad, earthly, of Jesus Christ. And get to lay down, uh, lay down. You get to lay down a, a, a. Your profession became his profession because you were you were in that role in his life. Had he been a mechanic, I think that's what Jesus would have been. Had he been some other thing, and so something I was considering with that, right, is that I'm a I'm a dad. Um, am I am I laying? What am I laying down for my kids? What 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 is what is there that I do? that I'm handing off to my kids? Am I, am I training my kids up in what, what I do? Am I showing them that then hopefully the, the number one thing, it should be that I know the Lord. That's, that's the number one thing I want to hand off to my kids. Um, I don't, my, all my kids can't be pastors. Uh, you know, I got daughters and sons, you know, so, um, but I want them to know who they are in Christ. I want them to find what God has called them to do. Um, but I just thought it was amazing that Joseph got to do that with Jesus. It's amazing to me. But back to Jesus, the fact that he would humble himself and, and go with it, right? I'm going to have people tell me what to do, but I'm God the son. But he's humbling himself. And he would have parents that he obeyed. He would live in a culture, in a world that he created that had rules that he had to abide by and function within. And ultimately, as Jesus would grow up in this wicked world that was dark and everything else, he would endure disrespect. Jesus grew up with the stigma upon him that he were born out of wedlock. Jesus had people say rude things to him about his mom. Can you imagine that? Some of y'all here today is like, talk about your mama, it's going to be something. Right? Imagine being Jesus Christ and somebody talking about you. Jesus could have ended him. He could have, he, could have, he could have had lightning bolts. He could have incinerated them on the spot. I mean, having them say rude things to him about his mother, he endured these sort of things in his time on earth. And as you look at everything that he endured and the disrespect and all of that, you got to ask this question, why? Why all of that? Why would he go through it? Why would he endure it? Why would he go through the difficulty? And we're told that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and the shame. The joy of what? The joy of seeing you and me be saved. The joy of seeing you and I Surrender our lives, have our sins forgiven, and enter into relationship with him. And so again, what it says in verse 21, that you're going to bring forth the son and you're going to call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what Jesus came to do. And I want to leave us with this thought. Sometimes the focus is on the fact that Jesus came to save us from the penalty of our sins. And that's not a wrong focus. For he indeed came to deliver us from the penalty of our sins. The penalty, what I deserve and what you deserve for our sins is to be eternally separated from God in hell. Amen? And God, because of what Jesus did, we're delivered from that. He saved us from the penalty of our sins. But I want you to know this too. He also came to save us from the power of sin. Sin, there's a present power of sin. Jesus saves us not just from the penalty he saves us from the penalty, but also from the present power that sin has over us. 
he, he breaks that bondage. He breaks that power. There's a new relationship. There's a new, there's a new relationship that we have with the Lord, and that power is broken. And so um, as we consider the Christmas season, as we celebrate, as we give gifts, I hope that for you, the most treasured gift in your heart is Jesus. And I hope that as you're sharing all these other things with your family and loved ones and everybody else, may, may, may we make sure this message doesn't get lost in our celebrations. Amen. In, in my household, this is a, I'll just share for you guys that have little kids um, what our family tradition has been. And my kids being adults still make us do it. Um, when my kids were little, um, all the way to the present, every Christmas, we would, uh, on Christmas morning, we would not open up gifts um, because my oldest daughter um, wasn't in our home. I had to go pick her up Christmas morning. So I would pick her up. We would go to my dad's house for Christmas brunch. So we would leave our house alone, no gifts open, go to Pawpaw's house, have brunch. Um, my dad would, you know, later on, my dad would give everybody their Christmas gifts and we'd hang out there till two or three o'clock. Then we would go back to my house. When we got back to my house, my kids, the daughters, they would bake a birthday cake. So it's a birthday cake for Jesus because it's his birthday. So you got, you, got, you got a cake up for Jesus' birthday. So they would make the birthday cake for Jesus. We would sit around and go over. Somebody would share the Christmas story, their version of it. So I would do it. My girls would do it. Sometimes my sons would do it and goof it all up and the, get the, the girls would laugh. But it, they were doing their best to share their rendition of the Christmas story. And then we would do gifts. Now, we didn't do gifts the traditional way where everybody went to the tree and opened up gifts. Um, my wife would hide all the gifts throughout the house. So my wife, it was, it was very organized. She had this whole, you know, sheet. And she would hide gifts in the dryer and gifts in the bathtub, gifts in the garage, gifts in the car, gifts underneath a bed. And so the kids would all come into the living room and it's like, all right, where do you go at the end of the day and get dirty? And it's like, to the, to the bathtub. And they'd all run to the bathtub and come out with their gifts and open them. This did two things. Years when we were broke, it really dragged out the fact that they were only getting a few gifts. Um, <laughs> that, that was part of it. But it, it made this whole experience, right? So now I got 27 and 23. And I remember last year, they all came. We thought, surely we're not doing this. And they were like, they're like, nah, we're, they, they, these grown adults, they went and, they went and sat out in the car and waited for my wife to hide the gifts. They're like, no, we, we want our tradition. Amen. So I just want to encourage you guys, man. God has been so good to us. Um, Jesus left us. I mean, Joseph leaves us a great example. Jesus leaves us the ultimate example. And there's no greater gift. There's nothing, there's nothing you're going to receive this year that you've ever received greater than the gift that Jesus is already to us. And there's no gift that you're going to give to your kids or family that's greater than the gift that Jesus is. And so with all the sharing, make sure that in the midst of all your sharing that you continue to share Christ with your family. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for this time in fellowship, this time in your word. And as we embark upon this season, Lord, um, God, may we one be thankful for what you have done for us. Uh, Lord, but also help us to all this come to us. Uh, Lord, help us to be men and good leaders and spiritual um, guiders, spiritual, spiritual leaders for our home where this, these, all these things will also flow through us to our families. Uh, Lord, may we keep you first. May you be on the tip of our tongues in every gathering. Uh, may we continue to share the gift that is Jesus. 
Uh, Lord, help us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, brothers. Thank you for having me.